0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. We'll read together in just a moment, Revelation, chapter 7. And as we work our way through this great book of the Bible, I just wanted to say a word uh, to our mothers and to pray for them. And, you know, being a mother, is a, there's, a, there's joy and the sorrow. There's joy and pain both, aren't, isn't there? And it's a hard day for many. And uh, some of you are kind of in, maybe experiencing a little bit of both of those things. And I want to pray for our mothers. Man, what a powerful, important role God has given you. And if your mother is here, you want to pray for her or uh, some other mother sitting near, perhaps you just pray for her today. Will you join me in praying? Lord, we thank you for mothers, for the blessing they are to us, for the gift you give us uh, in them. And I pray, Lord, we will... Encourage them well and love them well. Some of them are going through great joys. Some of them going through some great pain. Some of, the, some of them have young children and some long-grown children. And whatever every stage and all the different emotions that happen on this day, I pray, Lord, you will bless mothers. And I pray we will encourage them well and support them well. And, Father, I pray you'll do work in them and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, open your Bibles for Revelation chapter 7. Vacation Bible School is coming up in just a few weeks, and you can register your children um, out in the atrium. You can do it online anytime, and I want to encourage you to do that, but I just want to remind you that you can register kids, and the neighbor kids may come if you invite them, and um, what a great privilege to teach the Bible. Well, we're going to read in Revelation 7. Uh, we're going through this book of the Bible. If you'd like to know more about what's going to happen in the end of time, this is a great book for you. So I'm going to read these verses. We're going to look at some principles. We're going to listen. Once in a while there'll be once in a while there'll be a jet flying overhead. That'll be kind of exciting for us. It's uh it's all right. And then fortunately for us, they've been the Air Force has been nice enough they're gonna have the blue angels right after we get out of this service. They're gonna be flying overhead. So uh, that was nice of them to do that for us. That's just great. We'll hear some of the other things in the meantime. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 7 and read beginning with verse 9. The Bible says, After I looked, after this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And then all the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, I want you to note with me four principles. I'm going to spend a little time on that last one, so stick with me. Let's note these four principles together. Maybe you've never been a note take her before. Today could be your day. Let's try this, all right? I'm going to talk about what salvation is, the lessons we learn from this picture of heaven. Four things I want you to note. Number one, salvation is provided for many. Would you just note that, write that down on the back of your worship guide or in your, on the church app? Salvation is provided for many. Verse 9 says, after, I, after this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now here's the order of events as I see them happening. There'll be the rapture of believers, those who know Christ as Savior. We and a time when people are not expecting, when people don't know the Lord's going to return and people who know Christ as Savior will be caught up with the Lord in the air. And there'll be many who remain. And that will follow. then there will follow a great and terrible time of tribulation, the great tribulation. And many, many will die. Many, many great uh, terrible events taking place. And in that, the Bible describes, now after this has been transpiring, we'll see more of that in the weeks ahead, a little of what God's going to do in the future. Um, We see that in the tribulation time, there are some who are going to be hardened, many who will be hardened. Can I just say a word in parentheses for you here? If you say no to the Lord, maybe some of you have said, someday I'll trust Christ, or someday I'll obey him, whatever it might be. And I just tell you, the more... You know, what? when you say someday I will, it's a lot like saying today I won't. Have you ever noticed that? Someday I will, today I won't. And I've noticed that the more you say no to the Lord, the more you tend to get hardened, the easier it becomes to say no. And there are many who would say, man, I, you know, I'm really thinking about it. I'll, I'll trust Christ someday soon. And, but they get more hardened. And, and then and I also tell you that if you'll say yes to the Lord, even in hard things. It gets a little easier to say yes the next time and a little easier the next time. And many in the great tribulation will just grow hardened. Many will die, of course, in the great tribulation. But the Bible tells us as well there will be many saved. This is talking about, verse 14 tells us that this is those who came out of the great tribulation. And so there'll be those who come to know Christ as Savior. Many of them even martyred for their faith. The 144,000 witnesses from Israel sharing the gospel uh, protected, but the, uh, the others are not protected. Many of them die for their faith. Notice the Bible says here there are many people. No one could number them. And it's called a vast multitude, a vast multitude. And then the Bible says they're from every nation and tribe and people and language. They're from everywhere. One day, of course, this is those from the great tribulation, but of course we'll gather with all those who have ever lived and all those who have ever known Christ as Savior before the throne of God, People from every sort of background, every sort of nation, tongue, tribe, language, every place. I I couldn't help but think about um, some of our IMB missionaries are serving. The International Mission Board has a program called the Journeyman Program. And it's usually for two years for young adults. And we've had several from our church who have served as journeymen in various places. And years ago, a young lady from our church served in a country called Burkina Faso, in West Africa, and she was in the most remote place, serving a small people group there, and I mean remote. You got on a good road, and then a bad road, and then a terrible road, and then no road, and just kept going out into the sand to this people group, little small people group. And we went to a village where she uh, spent a good deal of her time, and they didn't have a church building there for the very few believers that were there. They, uh, they met under a tree, and I preached the gospel to them. There's a young man named Abdullah there. I remember Abdullah well, um, one of the few believers in that people group, and he had felt God's calling on him to be a to pastor. He would be, we thought, maybe the first pastor in that people group in its history as best we could know and see. And I thought someday I'll see Abdullah in heaven. You know, someday he'll be a part of that group vast crowd of people from every kind of background and isn't it interesting there will be people who will have grown up within the shadow of church steeples who will never come to know Christ as Savior and there will be people in the far flung regions of our world who will come to know Christ through the love of some faithful Christian maybe even someone who's martyred for their faith what about you? What about you when that day comes? Because the Bible says some will stand before the Lord and he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. We'll see more of that in the book of Revelation. And I have to tell you the truth that there is a hell that the Bible tells us about and many will be separated from God for eternity in hell. But those who know Christ as Savior will be forgiven of their sins and have a home in heaven. So what about you? Where will you stand? And if you don't know Christ as Savior, at the end of the service I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to ask you to give your life to Christ, to trust Him as Savior, to repent of your sins and place your faith in Him. So we've seen salvation is provided for many. Secondly, would you note, salvation is given by God. The Bible says in verse 9, right in the middle of verse 9, uh, about this vast multitude they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands so the clothed in white robes that's not what they were wearing on earth they have white robes now and it reminds us that we are forgiven in salvation absolutely forgiven of every sin the lord when he forgives doesn't just partly forgive he absolutely forgives the blood of jesus is sufficient sacrifice to pay the penalty for every sin so that these stand before god dressed in white robes as though they had never sinned, no stain, no marring, forgiven, declared by the power, by the blood of Jesus, holy. Jesus paid the price. That's how sufficiently Christ pays the price for our sins. We're declared holy and righteous before him. And, they're, and they're, the Bible says they have palm branches in their hands. The palm branch reminds us of the Feast of the Tabernacles in the Old Testament. And it was a feast that reminded the Israelites of their deliverance, from first from Egypt and then from Babylon. And they celebrated it, remembering that with these palm branches, that the forgiveness that had come. And may I say, the goal of the enemy is always your imprisonment, and so sin puts us in bondage. And in Christ, we are set free. And these who have come out of the great tribulation are dressed in white, declared righteous and holy before God, and with palm branches, remembering that they have been set free by the power of the Lord Jesus and the Bible says uh, they, in verse 9, they cried out in a loud voice. So they're passionate about something. They're crying out in a, in a loud voice. What is it they're passionate about? They're passionate in singing praise for what the Lord has done. They say this, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God, God who is seated on the throne, the Father, and the Lamb, God the Son, The sacrificial lamb we've seen here in this book of Revelation. Notice there's no taking credit. No, uh, I did it. Salvation, they don't say salvation belongs to me. Look what I did. Wasn't I good? How nice of me to be so nice. I did this by myself. None of that. Not these who have come out of the great tribulation. They know better. They know that they weren't saved by their goodness, but by the goodness of the Lord himself. Not by what they did, but by what Jesus did for them. There's no taking credit. There's no sense of entitlement here. You know that sense of entitlement. God owes me. This is just salvation, just what God owes me because of, you know, he just owes me because I am. It's an American society we live in today, just a sense of entitlement. People should just give me things because I'm me. I just should have things. They should just give me. I'm owed. The world owes me something. Uh, by the way, don't try that with your mom. Don't don't try that with your mom. You owe me something, mom. I've been a Cardinal fan all of my life, and I've lived long enough to see ups and downs. A lot of really great times, but some bad times along the way as well. And uh, sometimes Cardinal fans can, you know, begin to get a sense of entitlement because we get used to so many good things happening. I said Wednesday night at midweek worship that I had. I went, when I grew up, I wanted to be. When I was a boy, I wanted to grow up and be a, a St. Louis Cardinal baseball player. And they said suggested to me, and I just said I just didn't have enough talent. And they said, you know what, maybe you should have tried this year. Maybe this was the year you should have tried it. This was a better, you had a better shot this year, perhaps. It's been a hard year. And so the Cardinal fans, because we sort of get this sense of entitlement, um, we should win every year. I mean, how come not a championship every year? And it's, a, I mean, you you get fandom sort of has that, we get a little bit spoiled. And maybe we begin to think, if we're not careful, uh, God, you sort of owe me this. By the way, you don't want what the Lord owes you. You want mercy. You want grace. Or, I'll take credit for it. I'll do it in my own merit, by, by my own strength. That's not the spirit of those that come out of the Great Tribulation. Salvation is given by God. Salvation belongs to our God, they said. Number three, note, salvation is a reason to worship. So verse 11 says, just write that down on your notes, salvation is a reason to worship, a reason to worship. Verse 11, all the angels stood around the throne, so they've been watching this, and along with the elders, those are the ones who have died in previous, before the great tribulation, those who are standing before the Lord people, and the four living creatures, the cherubim, they fell face down before the throne, notice that, face down before the throne, They are humble before God, no pride, humble before God, and they worshiped God, and they worshiped God. In fact, they even said amen to all that was going to be said, all that was going to happen. They were saying, so be it. They worshiped God. So maybe you're looking for a reason uh, to honor your mom, and you probably got some reasons, right? Maybe she's, I don't know. Sacrifice for you. One of the reasons we appreciate moms so much is because they tend to sacrifice on our behalf. But if you had no other reason, some of you have, many of you have great, great moms. Some of you maybe just didn't have a, a, a great mom in your life or whatever the circumstances may be. And if you had no other reason, or if you had a great mom and you just couldn't remember any reasons to be thankful for your mom, the fact that she gave you life is reason enough, right? I mean, if you couldn't think of anything else, just the fact that she gave you life, that she gave birth to you, pretty good reason to thank your mother. And what if you couldn't think of a single reason to thank God? I mean, if you couldn't remember all the blessings that he's given, and he has given so many. But if you couldn't remember a single reason, the very fact that he has given you life in Christ is enough. If that's the only reason you had to praise the Lord, it would be enough for you to fall down before him and worship. Just the fact that he would give you life in Christ, forgiveness of sin, and yet he's given you so much more, so much more. So many blessings, perhaps you've sort of forgotten how many, how many things he's done for you. There's a fourth principle I want you to know. I want to spend just a little time here. Salvation is worthy of response. Salvation is worthy of response. So the Bible says in verse 12, here's what they're saying All the angels, the elders, the cherubim, they're saying, amen, so be it. And they say, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength. Seven things we'll talk about in a moment. They say, these things be to our God forever and ever. Amen, so be it. First and last, amen, right? Kind of parentheses around these seven things. These seven things be to our God forever and ever. We could say be to, or we could say belongs to. That is, these are seven things that belong to God. They are attributes of the Lord. And seven things that be to God. That is, that we want to give to Him. That everything that we have comes from God anyway. But what we want to give to Him. Ways that we would praise the Lord. Our response to Him. So let's note these seven things together. Are you ready? Number one, blessing. Blessing. The word blessing is... We get the English word eulogy from this Greek word. Blessing. A eulogy is to speak well of someone. Maybe you've been at a funeral and someone says about the deceased and they were, they were really a, a blessing in these ways. They were good to their family or they were a good friend and they just point out the good things of that person. And the Lord, of course, has blessed us in so many ways. And we are saying when we bless him that we recognize all he has done for us, that we want to recognize his goodness to us. Can I just remind you of this? I think I thought for a long time that God's blessings, which he's given lots of them, I, thought, I guess I thought, God has blessed me for a reason, and that reason is so that I'm blessed. And I've come to understand that it's more than that. God doesn't just bless me so that I'm blessed. He blesses me so that I'm blessed and so that I'm a blessing to others. I'm blessed in order to bless. So if you've been blessed by God, and you have, it isn't just so you can hold your blessings and say, man, this is great, i got some blessings. Really, thanks a lot for the blessings, God. But so that you can bless others and bless Him. And so our blessings are a means by which we bless Him. The things He has done for us are a means by which we can give back to Him and glorify Him. Our blessings are given to us so that we bless others. And it's our response to bless the Lord with the blessings He's given to us. And God has blessed us in so many ways. We are to bless others and to bless Him through it. Number two is the word glory. Blessing and glory, the Bible says, be to our God. Belongs to our God. Blessing and glory. Glory talks about the greatness of God. The, we use the word gravitas now. He's big. Maybe you thought of God as sort of small, you know, you know nice, fine, but you've not seen the bigness of God. I, I tell you, that's not how we see God pictured in heaven. John doesn't say, you know, I mean, heaven's okay. You know, God seems like, he seems like a pretty good guy. Not that at all. He is overwhelmed. The tendency is to fall down before him and to recognize his greatness. And there's something about the glory of God that we need to recapture, where you see, again, how glorious heaven is. By the way, whatever you think about heaven, it's glorious. It's better than what you think. Maybe you thought of heaven as boring even. It's so much better. No matter how much you think about heaven, how great it is, it's better still and I want you to see something of the greatness of God. We need that in our age. Number three is the word wisdom, blessing and glory and wisdom. Wisdom is seeing God's perspective, being able to see things as God sees them. Did you know you can have wisdom? You can be wise? The Lord said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously. Did you know God will generously, he wants you to have his perspective? It's one of the reasons we read the Bible. Some of you have maybe never read the New Testament for yourself, and I want to encourage you to do that. Read it for yourself. The whole New Testament, you can do that. Very doable. Read a couple chapters a day, five days a week. Half a year you've read the New Testament. You can do this. And you'll find out more of the perspective of God. You already know what the world says, right? You know that. You know what popular music says, or what the movies say, or what the news says. Well, what does God have to say? What's God's perspective? What what does God... How does he want us to see the world, and how does God want us to view our lives, and God, what does God want from us? Why are we here? God shows us these things, and He wants us to have wisdom and to gain His perspective. Number three is the word wisdom, blessing and glory and wisdom. I talked about that. Number four, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is uh, recognizing all the wonderful things God has given to us, and I think there's something about the more we thank God, the more we think of things to thank God for. Maybe you could maybe sort of have a, like a typical prayer you just pray, thank you God for, and man, perhaps it'd be good for you just to expand a little of the things, just to remember what God has provided for you, some of the things that you've taken for granted that you've not noticed. Maybe you haven't thanked God for the blessings of your own family, your own mother, your own provision. Number five is the word honor. Honor has to do with great value. And the Lord is saying here, reminding us that heaven is reminding us here of the great value of God, the tremendous honor of God. When I grew up in the 1970s and I listened to the popular music of that generation and there's a group called the Doobie Brothers. Do any of you remember the Doobie Brothers? Some of you, the Doobie Brothers, I found out, like, I was a grown man when I found out that was a reference to marijuana. I was so shocked. I didn't know any better. One of the guys after the service, the last hour, he came out and said, I didn't know it. He said, I just found out now. And um, some of you don't have that problem. You are well aware of what Doobie Brothers was referring to. You already knew that. I know that's the case for some I was just naive. I just didn't know. And they had a song. The Doobie Brothers had a lot of songs. but They had a song that said, Jesus is just all right with me. And that's kind of how a lot of us view Jesus. I mean, he's just all right with me. I mean, I'm not against him or anything, don't get me wrong. He's just all right with me. Is that the picture you get of John as he looks into heaven? Like, uh, Jesus is, I mean, you know, I looked into heaven and he's just all right with me. That, that's not the view at all. They fall down before him, the angels, the elders, those who have been martyred for their faith, the cherubim, they recognize the greatness, the great value. Maybe you valued the Lord so little. It's like, he's all right with me. Perhaps that's you. He's all right with me. You know, he's he's fine. But I want you to see something of the greatness, the honor of the Lord, the great value. You know, there are people who are willing, did you know this, to die for the cause of Christ. And they're not saying, you know, he's just all right with me. Who sacrifice, who serve, who share the gospel with others, who give sacrificially, who use their talents and abilities for the glory of the Lord, who think of others and not themselves. Man, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And yet much of our modern culture sort of says, Jesus, you know, he's, he's, just, he's all right with me. And I want you to see something so much greater. And the more you picture, the more you kind of glimpse into heaven and who the Lord is, the more you see the attributes of the Lord, the more honor you give to him. The next, the sixth, is the word power. And the Bible talks here. This is a word that's describing the omnipotence of God, the all-powerful one. These uh, jets that we'll hear around in the in a few minutes, there'll be um, the blue angels will fly with. It's an incredible power of those jets. I mean, really, I find myself just marveling at it. I'm not. Um, I don't have the background you military types have and some of you have pilots and you've just lived in a world that I haven't and I just marvel at the power of those jets and I just want you to know that you you're going to face in life if you live long enough you're going to face some things that are just they're too big for you and the power you don't have the power to face it maybe you feel that way about your marriage it just feels like it's Man, I don't, it's just too big for. I don't know, I don't know how, what to do about it or I don't know how to raise my kids, or I don't know what to do with these problems I'm facing. I don't, I don't know how. I don't have the power to deal with these medical issues that are a part of my life. And if you live long enough, you're going to face some times when you just don't have enough power. But the Lord has plenty, sufficient power for the problems that you're facing in life. And I want you to trust Him and turn to Him and find His solution instead of your own, instead of just sort of running your life. And and then if you get in a trouble may be calling upon the Lord instead. He's the source of power. He wants you to experience that in your own life. And then number seven is the word strength. Power and strength are pretty similar, but this is a word that really describes more the idea of endurance and strength that lasts. I I don't know, if you came in on the seven side, you might not have even hardly noticed the uh, construction, the new construction on the gym that's going up. And oh my goodness, uh, you need to drive across and see after the service is not now. After the service is over, you can go look at. It. It's really amazing. Wednesday, the uh, I do chapel for the First Baptist Academy kids, and we went out on the concrete and wrote our names and Bible verses and prayers and things on the concrete floor. And I just said I asked them to think about the events that would happen there, the opportunities, the ministry opportunities that would happen there, and and to pray about the opportunities to see people come to Christ and events where people would hear the gospel or ministries that would help people take steps toward God. And man, it was really meaningful. And then the next day they started putting up the iron and I got a lot of work done in those next two days. And it just reminded me, we're, we're like, we're not just building the gym for a day, but we're building it, you know, for long term, for endurance and God in heaven cares about your life this day and for the long run. In fact, he wants you to see the long, long run, to see all the way into eternity and to see that this moment in this world is so brief and it just is always passing, and one day you're going to stand before him. And the more you build your life with that kind of endurance, thinking about eternity, the better your life will be. And God is the one who blesses us with that. God is the one who is the source of that. And any strength and power he gives to us is a means by which we can... Glorify him and give it back to him. But God, um, the Bible says blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. In case you're wondering how long. Forever and ever. Amen. So we respond to the Lord with those things. Because we have this great powerful God who offers salvation and he offers it to you. And I want to ask you to bow your head right now where you are. And some of you here need to trust Christ as Savior. You need to trust Christ as Savior. Not depend upon yourself and not just try harder, but you need Christ. And Christ can save you. Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And if you're being convicted of sin and righteousness, it is because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. And I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ and to be saved. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, saying words you don't mean won't change anything, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if today you'd like to trust Christ as Savior, you could pray this prayer from your heart to the heart of God. Dear God, just say this to him. God, I know I've sinned against you. God knows that. Just acknowledge it before him. God, I've sinned against you, and you are holy, and I'm not. And I know my sins have consequences. They separate me from you. If I got what I deserved, I'd be separated from you forever. That's what your word says. But I believe you loved me. And I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead for me. And so here and now, as best I know how, I turn from my sin, I repent, and I ask you to save me. I give my life to you, and I ask you to save me. And if you mean that, Christ will save you. Now listen, it's just the beginning, but it's a great beginning. Christ will save you and change you from the inside out. We want you to grow in your faith, learn more about God's purpose and plan for you. I'd love to hear that you gave your life to Christ. I want to rejoice with you about that. But man, we're delighted. Now, Some of you are believers, and you know Christ as Savior. But the Lord is letting you peek into heaven because he wants you to see a little of the greatness of this and why it matters, of the great value and importance of knowing him. Would you say, God, I don't want to waste my life knowing I'm going to stand before you one day, but help me to live today knowing one day I'm going to stand before you. Help me to live this day with that in mind so that I live a life that makes a difference for you. And Father, I want to thank you for your word and the power and truth it teaches us. And we thank you that you love us and you love us enough to let us see a little of what heaven will be like and your purpose and plan for us in eternity and who we can be and what you can do. And thank you for all of this. For those today who I pray to receive you as Savior. Would you help them to have courage and boldness to tell me and others that they've given their life to you and to begin to grow in their faith? For Christians who have sort of been maybe a little bit shallow in their walk with you, maybe have not valued deeply what you've done, would you remind us of who you are and what you've done? To the honor and glory of your name we pray. Amen and amen.